Ladies and gentlemen, I give you track nine. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Today is Thursday, January 9th, 2020. Time for episode 100 of the Barnhart Podcast. Happy New Year, Anne, and happy 15th day of Christmas. And happy episode 100, even though this is technically more than our 100th episode in the numbering scheme, this is good old number 100. We made it. Can't thank you enough. And welcome welcome to the, I don't think they're going to be the roaring 20s. I think they're going to be the raging 20s or, or something like that. But welcome to the 20s, finally. Well, we started off with the rocket's red glare, and now it was over there instead of here. And we'll get to that topic in a little bit. But um, yeah, so there's, I, I made the comment on Twitter. Uh, I, I posted a tweet saying, uh, it's time to record a podcast, but I haven't been paying attention to the news. Has anything been going on in the world? <laughs> and somebody posted a, a gif of from the movie airplane surely you can't be serious and you know don't call me Shirley. and that's what the opening was all about in case you didn't recognize that but yes there's all kinds of posturing going on in the world there's and you know what as, as much as it looks like war world war three is about to break out the media would love that because they think that would be trouble for trump um Things are worse in the church, and we'll we'll get around to all these topics. But I wanted to start off with again, season, liturgical seasons greetings. Christmas wasn't over on January on, on December twenty sixth. It goes until February second. We're still right in the middle of the Christmas Epiphany holiday cycle. So uh, keep on celebrating and uh, hold off on on your Lenten penances. We'll get to those soon enough. Indeed. Lent will be here before you know it. Baby baby Jesus wants you to be wants you to celebrate and be happy. Absolutely. Um where do you want to start? We have all kinds of news. I mentioned uh the Iran Iraq US thing. A lot of people are concerned. If you watch network news, they're trying to make the case that we're about to go to World War Three. And I guess if you were a Canadian who was flying back from Iran that night, things did add kind and kinda of bad that day. But um have you been following much of this? Um, sure. I mean, you you can't help but um, but I, it's another one of those things in in um, prophecy, and this time the words of our Lord Himself in Scripture just coming into very very tight focus. There will be wars and rumors of wars, and that I mean rumors of wars. That's exactly what what this is and what we're living through. So, you know, stay confessed, stay confessed, please, obviously. Um, but just watching this and, and so, so cynical and so skeptical about all of it. I mean, you all remember from goodness, it's been, it's been over three years ago now when the election happened and I was writing about you know, kayfabe, that, that term that professional wrestling uses to, to reference the fact that it's, it's just, it's all fake and it's all theater. And I mean, you look at things like this and you just, you just shake your head and you're so cynical and, and cynical first and foremost about the deep state, about, you know, the CIA uh, entities like that. The fact that it's, it's now just patently obvious to pretty much anyone with two brain cells to rub together, that there's a, a large contingent of people um, 
you know, in and around Washington, D.C., connected to um, connected to international banking and finance, connected to Freemasonry, all of these paradigms. And they they want a perpetual state of just slow grinding, never won, never resolved war because that makes people money. That makes those people not just money, but but enormous, enormous amounts of money. Um, and so you look at something like this and you just, yeah, I mean, Trump is a completely different, he's a completely different animal, but at the same time, Hate, hate to hate to dump on anybody's parade, but j just remember who sat in the front row of Donald Trump's wedding, and I'll put that in quotation marks because I I, I think the odds are pretty low that they're actually validly married. Who sat in the front row of Donald Trump's quote unquote wedding to Melania, Hillary, and Chelsea, and then Bill sat that front row, front row, like where his parents would have been seated if his parents had been alive. And then who shows up at the, at the reception, of course, is Bill. Um, just don't discount that. Don't forget that. Just keep that in the back of your head. Don't, don't understand what, what exactly is going on, but, um, it, it well, first of all, it certainly looks like that, that, that plane, that, plane en route to Ukraine was shot down. Um, we were chatting about it before in the warm-up earlier before we started recording, and um, you made the remark that, you know, half the terrorists in the world have Canadian passports. There were an enormous number of Canadian nationals on that flight, I think like 60 or something like that. It, you say, from, well, from the University of Alberta, a lot of uh, professors and students, I guess they were doing some kind of winter trip over there, Christmas break trip. I, I don't know the uh, details. But I did hear that these were students. So I yes, I made the joke okay. about all the terrorists having Canadian passports, and maybe some some of them are getting out of town because their their boss got killed. But no, these were academics for the most part. I'm not saying they all were. You know, terrorists have German passports too. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Um, and I, I was going to say that I think there might be. Don't take this as go this is gospel, but there's an enormous amount of of ethnic Ukrainians in Canada. There might be more ethnic Ukrainians in Canada now than there are Ukrainians in Ukraine. I mean, it's the, the, the migration in the late 19th and early 20th century from Ukraine into Canada is just enormous. But oh, well, I, I didn't, I wasn't aware of that, that they identified that it was from, that it was students. Why in the hell, why in the hell would you, A, you go to Iran and why would you take a bunch of kids to, to Iran? That's just, all, all those kids' parents must now just be sitting there thinking, I, I had a bad feeling about this. I knew something bad was going to happen. Well, yeah. Um, but there's there's all kinds of documentary evidence. There were all kinds of people whipped out their phones and and saw that plane get hit by a missile and burst into flames in the air and then and then crash. I mean, it's obvious that it was shot down. There are Defense Department people saying that uh, satellites caught two infrared. They call them blips, but uh, signatures right before a larger infrared signature that coincided with the time the plane came down. 
the, strongly suggesting there were two surface-to-air missiles fired and they hit the plane. And there, there's a lot of conspiracy theory going around, or maybe not even that much of a conspiracy. Uh, the guy who was, who was uh, killed in, in the, the drone strike uh, a few days before that, mm-hmm. he was mm-hmm. the he was reputed to be the number two person in terms of power in all of Iran, and was threatening to take over even from the mullahs. And they were getting getting worried about this. And there there is a theory that there was some background backroom deal done, struck between whoever was doing this. It wouldn't be Trump; it'd be somebody on Pompeo's team, somebody in the CIA. Um, that Iran is ready to deal and and ready to abide by Western rules, but people like like this. Um, I forget his name now. Uh, do I have it in my notes? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, the, I can't the, spit the, it out either. The, 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 head, the head terrorist guy who who, yeah. who got who got waxed by a couple of uh, Hellfire missiles. Um, he was a thorn in the side of the mullahs anyway, mm-hmm. and so maybe they came to the table and said, "Look, we're ready to make a deal. Um, this guy is causing us problems. So how about this? Next time he's planning to come over to Iraq." And coordinate with the militias over there to cause trouble and kill more Americans. And yes, this guy was responsible for the, the deaths of tens of thousands of people throughout. Well, actually, the estimate is hundreds of thousands of people in total who were killed, including thousands of U.S. troops. Mm-hmm. This guy's units, the Quds Force, are responsible for. It's like a it's like a cross between the CIA and the Army Special Forces, and they primarily operate outside of Iraq, or I'm sorry, outside of Iran spreading their their mission whatever iran's mission is around the world so this the stuff going on between um yemen and saudi arabia all the stuff in the Bekaa valley with with uh hezbollah that's all iranian backed and it's the quds force who would be training and equipping all these people so all of the insurgent attacks happening against u.s troops by um shia militias in iraq that's got quds force all over it so the theory is that this guy was coming over into iraq to meet up with the militias after they tried to set the U.S. embassy on fire. The U.S. was well aware of this. They didn't need the Iranians to tell them. This guy's been tracked for a while. He um, lands in a private plane at Baghdad International Airport. Uh, two SUVs, you know, zoom away from, from, the, uh, from the airplane, go out through a back um, cargo terminal exit from, from the airport, and two Hellfire missiles apiece hit, hit, the, um, hit each of the vehicles waxed not only the the number two guy in Iran, which makes the Ayatollahs breathe a lot easier, mm-hmm. uh, also took out the, the top Shia militia guy in, in Iraq and some other people who were, it's convenient for everyone involved to be, uh, for them to go away. Yes, the Shias are really mad about this because their their biggest supporter and enabler is out of the way. And now the, the, the Sunnis in Iraq are very happy about this because they have a chance to actually be free now. Because if the U.S. were to leave... Iraq right now, two things would happen. Um, this well, the, basically Iran would take over Iraq. Uh, mm-hmm. It's already I think in the south, it's already lopsidedly more more Shia than it is Sunni. In the same case, if you go to Southern California, it's a lot more Hispanic than it is anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, if you erase the border, all of California becomes Hispanic and not just Mexican. Just anybody wanting to come across the border would come across. Iran wants to spread their influence, and ultimately, this would end up coming closer to an all-out Iran versus Saudi Arabia with Israel sitting in the middle saying, we don't want you, any of you people going to war and we'll attack either of you. Mm-hmm. So it just would destabilize things. Now with this guy who's a big troublemaker out of the way, it's it's a lot better for everyone. And there, there were news stories that, you know, Trump had his, his press conference, was it yesterday or today, 
talking about how uh, there were no casualties at any of the bases where the, the missiles came over and landed because they had a really good early warning system. Yeah, they knew like three hours oh, yeah. in advance. Oh, yeah, like a telephone call. <laughs> yes. Yep. It, it yep. was, it, it, this really begins to look like, I don't know if it's completely prearranged, but there, it was known where the missiles were going to be fired, when they were going to be fired. It's almost like the, somebody over and around said, okay, thank you for taking out our number two guy. Now we've got a bunch of people over here, you know, a, a sizable minority who were upset and, and saying we need to do something about this. So we're going to send a, a token missile strike over. Make sure your people are out of the way. Uh, we apologize yep. if we break anything important. We just have to do something to save face. Mm-hmm. And of course, once this is all over, what does Trump say? It looks like everyone is standing down. Yeah. And the yeah, price of oil is falling. The yeah. price of oil is falling through the floor now. Mm-hmm. Stock market is going up. I think some people are expecting the, um, the, the things to start actually becoming sane and a little bit rational, almost calm, dare I say, in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Trump's statement there about uh, we, we don't need Iranian oil. We are, we are energy independent here in the United States. I think that was a clear statement. If you're shutting down the the, the Straits of Hormuz, or if, you, if that's in your plans, mm-hmm. what you're, who you're going to make mad are the Japanese, the Chinese, and Europe. Yeah, right. <laughs> yep. So. The U.S. is setting all kinds of records for um, petroleum production, petroleum exporting. I mean, yeah, it's... <laughs> that you're you're you wouldn't be you wouldn't be sticking your thumb even in the eye of the United States to shut down the Straits of Hormuz. So yeah, but it, it just goes to show you uh, once again preaching to the choir to our audience. I know, but you know, some sometimes these things bear repeating. Just absolutely nothing, nothing you read in the media can be trusted on any level whatsoever, nothing. And um, we got it. We have to bring up this, um, to wit, we have to bring up this video of this um, this young lady, this young Persian American lady who's made this, this extraordinarily intelligent and informative video saying, you guys, you all need to chill. Everybody uh, the people on the ground in in Iran are glad that this guy is dead. They're the people are celebrating. This is a good good thing. Don't be don't fall for any of this this mainstream American or Western mainstream media agitprop that this is World War Three because it just totally isn't. It just it just flat out is not. And yeah, it makes perfect sense that that the mullahs would want to get rid of this guy i mean this guy was a was a textbook like you know over the top movie villain type of a guy and it it doesn't surprise me at all that his the 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 mullahs over there wanted him dead they just want to retain power they just want to keep power in country um and the other thing is is the mullahs know that they're with each passing day I I think they must understand that that their days are numbered because everybody in in Persia and this girl who has this this really good video and we'll put it we'll totally link to it in the show notes but I mean it's going around a lot of you have par- probably already seen it but if a few of you haven't you need to watch this it's not very long um she makes the point that like everyone under the age of 40 in Iran just despises the mullahs and Persia has always been um, 
it's it's a fascinating culture. It's always been one of the most, for lack of a better word, progressive, um, modern. The the mullahs have just ruined ruined what should what should have otherwise been. Um, notwithstanding the fact, obviously, that it's that it's Islamic territory, because that's always going to put just a wet blanket over the top of everything by definition. But Persia should be should be just a powerhouse because, you know, they've got the people they've got they've got that human capital, um, the Persian race. If we if you if we want to get into <laughs> completely politically incorrect conversations here, the Persian race is historically just an, an incredibly robust and intelligent and, and productive uh, race. And well, they conquered here, the the. They conquered the known and civilized world a couple of times. A couple in, of times, times, yeah, yeah. And the thing that's funny about it is, we think about you know anybody in the in the Islamic world, um, especially over there in the Middle East or anything proximate to the Middle East. We Americans or we Westerners tend to have in our minds just a, a an overarching mental idea that all of these people are Arabs, that they have the brown Arab skin and all that, man, you look at pictures of the Iranian mullahs and just Persian people in general, those Iranian mullahs look like your uncle who's just got a big, long, fuzzy beard. Those people are literally Caucasians. They're proximate to the Caucasus Mountains. Those are, those are Caucasian people over there. And, um, you know, pe- people just kind of tend to forget that and think, oh, no, they're just like the Saudis. No, that's the thing. And that's why there's still there's always going to be all of these conflicts and everything is because these are these are not just different, different countries, different nation states. These are literally completely different races of people. Um, you cross into you know, Babylon into, into Iraq, okay, you're dealing with a different race. You're dealing with the Arab race. Whereas when you're talking about Persians, you're, you're actually talking about Caucasian people. So it's a, there's a massive difference in distinction. And, and I would say culture is probably a better word to say there because the United States, we're not a race, but we are a culture, a pretty lazy, inept and, (laughs) and, and, um, corrupt culture but we are a culture it doesn't matter if you're black white yellow green blue whatever if you identify with the united states it it doesn't really speak well to your moral sensitivities yeah yeah well well said well put well uh well clarified but i mean it's um so she she makes the point anyone under the age of 40 just absolutely despises the mullahs and this um you know, this ridiculous try, trying to be Sharia, trying to be um, trying to be the Taliban, just absolute insanity. Nobody's on board with this. They only keep power through, as they do, only through the most brute, brute force. The mullahs have to know that their time is up. And so, yeah, it, it makes absolutely perfect sense that some some theatrical production, which is basically what this is, some theatrical production would be undertaken, <laughs> as weird as it sounds, with the cooperation of the United States for the mullahs to get rid of this this 
James Bond movie villain guy that they've they've been you know playing footsie with and kind of they've been obviously they've been using him as intimidation and enforcement and all of that but I th I'm sure it absolutely got to the point where they just said we've had enough of this guy and and yeah so again wars and rumors of wars I mean, you, could, you couldn't write it any better. And our Lord called it exactly. And to me, I just look at all this stuff and it just, it just reconfirms yet again that um, it's all happening. And, and we, all, we all need to stay super frosty and we all really, really need to stay confessed. I mean, it's the 20s now and I'm just operating on the assumption that we are definitely on the countdown. And I mean, if it proves, if, if it proves to not be the case, well, you know, the worst, the worst thing that it'll have as a consequence to my life personally is that I went, went, went to confession more often than perhaps I should have. I mean, that isn't even a true statement. You, you, you can't go to confession too much if you, if you have something to confess. So there you go. There's our, our minor take on, on Iran. Do we have any, were there any other bullet points we wanted to make that we were discussing in the warm-up? No, pretty much just a uh, a crossover point that the that yes, it's very convenient to the to the mullahs and and the the people in power to get this number two guy out of the way, and they had to respond with some token thing. And of course, they mm -hmm. posture to their own people, saying this was only a slap on the wrist. We could punch a lot harder. And speaking of slaps on the wrist, we had a fun little <laughs> Christmas event in Vatican Square. Well, New, New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve. Good grief! It's it's just it's just never ending. You know, I have this. I constantly have this huge list in a notebook of, okay, I need to write this essay. I need to write that essay. I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to make this, this video, da, 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 da. And then it's just, well, Pachamama happened. You were, we remember that in October, the, the Amazon demonic idol that they're literally worshiping in the Vatican and they've got, they're setting them up in churches and everything. Then Splash Mama happens, and so yeah, that all has to be reported on because, again, going back, circling back to this this concept of the media, and you can't trust anything the media says. And we have another topic coming up exactly about this, about specifically this guy George Weigel, who's this professional Catholic, saying you shouldn't look at any news sources or websites except this list of of my personally approved and and all of these outfits that he lists are um you know good good old boy in bed with the bishops won't report on anything um it's it's exactly the same thing here so people like me which is just bizarre end up for like there was a period in october where you know my stats are just through the roof and you know everybody's coming to my website because for a period of i don't know a week 10 days whatever it was i was the one who was breaking a lot of this pachamama and splashamama stuff and so you know huge traffic what what what, what is going on why why am i I'm I'm not even I'm not a journalist. I'm just a talking head. I'm just a pundit. Um, and even even that is is um, I think <laughs> putting an, an even overly formal um, characterization on it. Why in the world 
is has it now fallen on people like me that we're the ones who have to break news, disseminate news, da, 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 be this, be a clearinghouse for information, um, be a clearinghouse for tips, et cetera. It's just, it's abject madness because the mainstream media, whether it's in, you know, obviously the secular world and, and current events with regards to Trump and Iran and, and the, the economy and impeachment and all of this, you can't believe anything these people say. And it's not just the fact that you can't believe anything that they say. It's that they categorically refuse to do the job of journalism so, such that, quote unquote, journalistic entities aren't engaging in journalism at all. And that private pundits now People, people like me who, who are jumping up and down screaming, I'm not a journalist. I'm not a journalist. We're the ones who have to do all of this. Um, so, yeah, so October, Pachamama, Slap-a-Mama. And then you think, okay, things are gonna things are gonna kind of slow down a little bit. And then of course they don't. You know, Bergoglio's just issuing jaw-dropping statements of heresy and and outright apostasy most days before 9 a.m. And you know, you just you just say, well, it's another day, and I guess I'm gonna have to put out put off writing that essay and that essay and that essay because I have to mention this because maybe if I don't, then no one else will. And do, do, do. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. So here we are, New Year's Eve, and anti-Pope Bergoglio is walking through. He's just been to venerate, I guess, um, the the nativity scene in St. Peter's Square, which this year actually wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't overtly gay like it was, what, last year or two, or two years ago now. The overtly gay one was two years ago. Um, last year's, I think, was decent, but it was kind of, it was just kind of ugly. This year's was actually fairly normal, nothing offensive by it. So he goes, he quote unquote venerates the the baby Jesus in the crib and is walking back through and is doing his glad handing and, you know, all the, the, the stuff that he does. And little, little Chinese woman, little devout Catholic Chinese woman reaches out, grabs his hand, May, there might have been the the woman next to her might have been actually the main grabber. It's kind of hard to tell from the video. Wish that we had the video of the people who were standing next to little Chinese lady because there were at least four, including the, the person on her immediate left and the person on her immediate right. So long short, he, he, he gets grabbed by the hand because little Chinese woman thinks he's the Pope and has been waiting there all day to plead with him and God love her. But I don't think anybody still has identified what language this woman was speaking, whether she was speaking some, some tonal Asian language or whether she was speaking hyper broken English in with the accent of some Asian tonal language. No, still to this day, it, uh, absolutely amazing to me in this in this time of you know voice recognition algorithms and translation algorithms, nobody ha can even recognize or or pin down what language this woman was speaking. Pretty amazing. Anyway, she's clearly pleading. She's pleading, and I mean it doesn't take it doesn't take a rocket surgeon to figure out what she's pleading for. She's pleading for the Chinese, the Hong Kongese 
whoever. And Bergoglio physically assaults the woman, physically assaults the woman. And then there's also a debate about what he said. He either called her Bruja, B-R-U-J-A, which in Spanish means which bitch, language alert, um, which bitch, nag, hag, and harridan. So it, presumably either witch or bitch. That's, that's, the, two, that's the two main um, uh, translations of the word. However, there are other people who are saying, hold on, hold on. We speak Spanish, and we don't think that's what he said. We think he said puta, P-U-T-A, which is the equivalent of the worst word in the English language. And I'm not talking about the F word. I'm talking about the word that's the four-letter word that starts with a C that is even worse than the F word. The word that is the single worst thing that you could ever ever call a woman. That's what that means. So, I mean, it's, it just goes to show you, we've been trying to, to expose and tell people Bergoglio is a total psycho. He is a complete phony. All of this smiling, all of this is an absolute put on its total shtick, its total performance. This guy in Buenos Aires was known as the bishop who never smiles. Okay. This guy, all of this is, is completely fake. And then beyond that, it's been known. It's widely discussed in Rome. Everybody knows this, that Bergoglio has, is notorious for raging, screaming tantrums. I mean, and one of the most, the most famous one of these so far was, it was either in, I think it was probably in 2014, maybe 15. Can't remember. Anyway, it's all, it's all running together. So, you know, he lives in this luxury hotel that he had remodeled for himself, um, the Casa Santa Marta. And what this thing also has in it is a big, is a big dining hall and all kinds of people who, who work in the Vatican, who work in the Curia, that's where they go and eat lunch. It's a big cafeteria, basically. And so he's this humble man of the people and, you know, he's got a table set up in the back corner with a big row of plants surrounding it, of course, so that nobody can see him. But there he, oh, I, I eat with the people, blah, blah, blah. And one day, it's been years ago now, he was, in fact, I know when it was. It was when, again, the stuff all runs together. It was the first fake synod on the family and a group of, I think, 13 cardinals, I want to say sent sent a letter that said the procedures of this thing are just completely fake and this is this is ridiculous and i remember was one of the signatories very surprisingly was dolan dolan signed this thing and there were 13 other cardinals when that letter was delivered to him so that's that's our our reference point to look up when this happened when that 13 cardinals letter objecting to the just 
the complete fakery and and the the fake procedures in in that first synod on the family when that was delivered to him he threw a screaming raging fit that was so intense that the swiss guards and the vatican gendarmes cleared cleared the building this whole huge um cafeteria is filled with um you know clerics prelates and and lay people were working in the vatican who were there eating their lunch got everybody up in the middle of all of them eating and said everybody out now and cleared the building because bergoglio was screaming and raging and cursing and swearing and screaming blasphemies because that is what he does that's what he is notorious for people in buenos aires and then again people in the in the curia both are saying exactly the same thing not only does this guy throw screaming raging fits but the his mouth the foulness the blasphemy taking our lord our lady and mixing their names with animal imagery Im imagery of of um fornication and sodomy i mean the the worst possible kinds of blasphemies that you could think of is how bergoglio talks like just all day every day even the filthy disgusting corrupt sodomitical roman curia as it stands now even they are shocked by how foul and blasphemous Bergoglio's mouth is. We've been trying to tell people this for years, and now the mask is starting to slip. And I think he maybe knows that you know, event. Uh, the, <laughs> he's he's in the great trash compactor of life, and the walls are and the ceilings are coming down on him. Um, and the mask is slipping. And what you saw with him hitting and, and calling this little this little Chinese, I mean, it, it couldn't have been any more um, visually powerful that it's this little tiny Chinese lady or, or Asian lady or Hong Kongese or whatever she is. I, I mean, the, the visuals on this could not be any more powerful. And there he is just beating and beating on her hand while calling her at minimum a witch, maybe calling her a bitch and maybe calling her the worst word in, in the English equivalent in, and in every other language, one of the worst words, certainly one of the worst things that you could ever call a woman. Um, I, I had just, read something somewhere that uh, she was trying to relay Cardinal Zen's letter. And I don't know if mm -hmm. that was tongue in cheek or not, but if she was, that would almost possibly explain why he flew off the handle. Well, It'd yeah. Probably be about the last thing he'd want to hear. I mean, he, he might have seen her. He might have seen her cross herself, which she does. If you see the full clip of that video from second, you know, before the, the main one that went viral on Twitter, there's another one going around that shows seconds before that. And as he's approaching, she crosses herself. And so he might have seen that looked at her saw that she was 
or assume that she was Chinese and his dander's already up. We now just found out, I think it was today, today or yesterday. Again, it all blends together. Um, Cardinal Zen submitted a dubia <laughs> to anti-Pope Bergoglio. Of course, anti-Pope Bergoglio didn't respond to it. And just yesterday or today, whatever it was, Cardinal Zen went public and has now drafted a letter to the entire College of Cardinals saying, the you guys, the situation in China, the situation in Hong Kong, the church is the church has been has been murdered, and it's been murdered by Bergoglio. And I submitted a dubia. I've been asking, you know, for for <laughs> encounter and dialogue and and accompaniment and and pastoral closeness from from uh, from F Francis, and I've received nothing but silence. And so now I have no choice but to now go to you, the cardinal princes of the church, and come to you with this. But it's exactly the same thing that that he did to um, you know to Cardinal Burke and the and the four who submitted the dubia before. But again, my my position on this is this is again a manifestation of the visibility of um, the situation. Submitting a dubia and and responding to it and and responding to a dubia is the um, is the province of of the vicar of Christ. And the, when I look at this, I just say, well, yeah, he's not going to answer. Obviously, he doesn't want to answer, and he thinks strategically he's he's doing the the right thing by himself. Obviously, but this is all part of the divine providence and the visibility of everything. It's for it's for the vicar of Christ to answer the dubia. It's a, it's addressed to the Pope, and of course he's not the Pope, so he's not going to answer. Um, so that's that's the divine providence playing four dimensional chess over here, and and I can't emphasize that enough. the uh, <laughs> The only player in this situation, the whole big situation, and we're talking about you know Pope Benedict. Um, the College of Cardinals, I mean, anyone, the only person in this who is playing four-dimensional chess is the divine providence. And the divine providence is another title of, of God. Um, God is the only one playing 4D chess. No one else is. I, it's, it would make a great movie and would that it were that, you know, that Pope Benedict is, has hatched a, a massive plot for this, that, and the other guys, I, I just, I can't, I can't tell you enough. That's just, that's not what the situation is. Don't, don't give credit to Ratzinger or anybody else for the workings of the divine providence. The divine providence is the only one who, who gets the credit for any of that. So we had, we had slap a mama. And so that, that took up New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, all of that. We we still managed to have a nice time and to ring in, ring in the twenties with and had had lovely times and lovely fun and company and all kinds of nice things. But then you're, you know, you're constantly looking at your phone and thinking, well, is there going to be something that lands in my email box that I'm going to have to put on the internet because nobody else will and nobody else will touch it and you know, the, even the mainstream Catholic news services, um, a lot of them didn't touch it. Um, I think even LifeSite, uh, LifeSite admitted like in their com box, I think Steve Jalsevac admitted in the com box that, oh no, we, we saw the, the, the story about 
in the video about Francis um, hitting the woman. And we, we just didn't think it was news. And I'm, I just like look at that and think, if that's not news, what in the hell is? And that's life sight. That's life sight for heaven's sakes. I mean, the the needless to say, all of the bishop controlled entities um, they, they refuse to cover it. There's there's a lot of people out there, believe it or not. I mean, most of our listenership. I mean, there was there was an entire week where the the top headline in in trad Catholic um, trad Catholic news was was the slap a mama scandal. I, I think a lot of Novus Ordo Catholics out there, I don't think they have any idea about any of this. There was a little bit of something. I did see Drudge, if you still go to Drudge. I mean, when is somebody going to come up with an alternative to Drudge? Um, when is someone going to come up with a with kind of like Frank Walker's Canon 212, um, except for totally secular headlines, you know? Um Frank Frank does all the Catholic stuff, and then there's another news aggregator, and it, it I mean Frank's got the right idea, modeling modeling it after the Drudge model, where you just have a really simple website, and then all you have are um, a series of aggregated links with with a short headline that just gives you a a rough idea of what the, the underlying story is and whether or not you want to click through and read it. Um, it's a lot of work curating a deal like that. I certainly have no desire to do it myself, but it seems to me this is a massive market vacuum and somebody needs to do this. Well, it's um, not just curating the news. It's also cultivating the scoops where, if you don't remember, Drudge rose to prominence because he was... Monica uh, Lewinsky. He, he had the scoop on Lewinsky before the mainstream media did. Yeah. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, so it, it's just, it's really, it's it's frustrating in the sense that you've got this this massive media corruption They won't and they won't even touch it. So then what's happened since then? I mean, it's just one, th one thing after another, one heresy after another. I guess the the biggest news is, is circling back to what I kind of alluded to earlier. Um, this George Weigel comes out and print, prints this piece that says, "Oh, don't don't read any anything except you know this my list of approved and everything that he lists is completely totally useless and in, in terms of news sources. Oh, don't don't read any blogs. Don't read this. Don't read that. Okay, we need to talk about George Weigel. Okay. Um, I, I have some information about George Weigel. First and foremost, George Weigel is the biggest professional Catholic pro, uh, layman probably in the world. He has built a, a massive for-profit corporation specifically off of uh, marketing JP2. I mean, that, that is his shtick. Um, these these books about JP2, et cetera, et cetera. Massive, massive, massive for-profit endeavor. Weigel in Rome is in bed with the Legion of Christ, all of that wildly corrupt big money, big money click and crew. George Weigel has been and continue has been for years and years and continues to be a regular guest in the home of our old <laughs> our old nemesis the 
odious Liz Lev and Father Thomas Williams. Weigel knew, absolutely 100% knew, was in there, it was in Liz Lev's home in Rome for dinner parties in which she was carrying on openly with Father Thomas Williams. Everyone knew. Everyone knew because these people, I, I keep saying this, they were carrying on openly as a sexually active couple long, long, long before any of the any of the Thomas Williams stuff broke and he dramatically left the priesthood and all of that. Oh, everyone knew Levin Williams were carrying on in Rome openly. They would be seen in restaurants together with Williams in civilian clothes, sitting together alone, holding hands, having romantic dinners together in fancy restaurants in Rome. Every, everyone knew because, I mean, everyone knew that Liz Lev and Father Thomas Williams were fornicating and were a romantic couple in exactly the same way that anyone would know that any other, you know, two people who were, who were together as a romantic couple were a romantic couple. It was just, they carried on openly. I don't know how much clearer I can be. So George Weigel is just completely involved in this, is socializing with these people, is a guest in Liz Lev's home with Thomas Williams there, with them carrying on openly. He knew all of this. He's writing books with Liz Lev. It's all about getting into this Legion of Christ and Rome English-speaking Novus Ordo hyper, hyper-corrupt mafia. Um, and getting getting into that money, getting into that money stream. It's what all of these people are about. All of these people's pretensions to, you know, being anything that could be described as genuinely Catholic is 100% theater. It's all, it's all a facade. Okay. All that matters to these people is the money and the power. And, oh, did I mention the money? It's all they care about. Weigel is like the poster boy of this, okay? So he's in bed with this whole, the whole neocon because it's, it's a massive market. And that's what everything, that's how these people look at the church. It's, it's markets. You have to see what is the biggest market. And by far, the biggest money market in the church is the category of um, what would what would be called um, quasi-conservative, semi-conservative, neocon is another term for it, Western Catholics, because these people tend to be older, um, ab above average income, definitely, um, not well catechized, so easily duped, uh, um, and thinking that if they donate money, give money, buy, buy books to people who present as being quote unquote Catholic, that, that that's like part of their tithing regime. It, it, long story short, it's a huge, huge market. It's what the, the Legion of Christ, what Maciel, Maciel Degolato, whatever his name was, the incestuous bisexual pedophile rapist drug addict, 
he founded the Legion of Christ specifically to target that market. In fact, he was going, he was going even higher than that. He was going for the, the, obviously in Mexico, the whole, the middle class is not nearly as big as it is in the United States. And, you know, the upper middle class in the United States is, is just, it's a huge, huge market and a huge um, pool of wealth. Maciel was going after the multimillionaires, the, the upper class of Mexico, and then also very quickly branched out into the upper middle class and the upper class of the United States and, you know, and Western Europe and so forth. Um, so that's what it was found, what, that's what the Legion of Christ was founded for specifically to target those markets. And they're all about money. They're all about money and derivative of that. They're all about sex and both sex and sodomy. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's what these people's mindset is. It's what their priority is. It's what absolutely everything revolves around. What is our market? Where, how can we make the most money? Well, okay, write, write books about JP2 and, oh, JP2, we wah and your JP2 never did anything wrong, except he totally, totally did. He was a, he was a horrible, horrible administrator of the church. He let all of this, you know, he let all of the infiltration that had gotten in in the early to mid 20th century, he just let that, he walked away, turned around, he was doing his, his project with, you know, Poland and communism and, and all of that. And, you know, that's all great. Well, more than a few people would say that he was part of that infiltration. Yeah, some, some absolutely would. Yes. But, you know, let's, let's leave that rabbit hole covered for a moment. He's overdoing his stuff with Poland, basically, and cultivating his cult of personalities, basically his game show host persona. And meanwhile, Rome, the Vatican, the Curia, you want to know when when it just got, when the cancer metastasized. It's, it's during the reign of JP2. You'll never hear any of this from Weigel because Weigel is interested in marketing very, very thick, expensive books to middle class and upper middle class, quasi-conservative, neoconservative um, Catholics in the English-speaking world. And that's a huge market. And it's made him enormous amounts of money. And he wants it to continue making him enormous amounts of money. Um, publishing is so wildly corrupt anyway. Um, so, yeah, I mean... George Weigel lecturing anyone on any sort of journalistic integrity or anything like this, this entire man's life, his entire career is just a, is just a pathetic, pathetic kabuki theater. Um, I, I'm going to make money off of the dishonest uh, historical documentation of of JP two, uh, it's it's just it's just pathetic, and you know associates with the worst of the worst people in Rome. I mean, look at look at he's written he's co written at least one book with Liz Lev, and if you look at the it, if you look at the you know before the 
before the first chapter, there's the acknowledgments in the preface and all these people are listed. And it's just, it's just a rogues, a rogues gallery of, you know, sodomites. Liz Lev is completely surrounded by sodomites. She's the biggest fag hag in Rome. And, you know, Weigel would regularly go to her home, dine with her, the priest she's openly having an affair with, and her clack of, of sodomite men. Um, and we're talking about sodomite men in Rome, laymen, who are, who are specifically there to chase seminarians, priests, and bishops for sex because they have a fetish for this. You know, I, I know one of them by name. I know one of them personally, I no longer have anything to do with them, but you know, his work colleagues say, well, yeah, everybody, everybody knows that what that guy's game is. He's, he's with Liz, he's gay and he dates priests. I mean, that's like a category. That's a category. When you go to Rome, it isn't just, are you gay? It's who, who do you date? And there's an entire group, a genre of sodomites in Rome, and their whole shtick is, is that they, quote unquote, date priests or, quote unquote, date bishops. Um, yeah, this, this, these are some of Liz Lev's best friends in, in as much as diabolical narcissist psychopaths can have friends, which they don't. But this is who this woman surrounds herself with at work, you know, in, in her, in her private life. It's who she's having dinner with and having dinner parties with. And that's who all these people are sitting around and socializing with. And it's just the corruption. And this is the conservative. These people are trying to market themselves and are considered to be conservatives. I mean, the whole thing is so wildly corrupt. It just, it needs to be burned to the, the whole thing needs to be burned to the ground. And I'm, I, I remain convinced that somehow, some way, whether, whether it's at the hands of man and it's the, it's at the hands of Islam or <laughs> the mullahs in Iran or wh whoever it is, or if it's at the hands of God and it's done by earthquake or, you know, the Naples volcano caldera exploding or something happening that that whole mess in Rome is so bad that it's literally going to be physically destroyed. I, I thank God that he's permitted technology to get to the point where if and when all of this stuff, all this artistic patrimony is destroyed, that yes, we will have photographic photographic evidence of all of it and di digital evidence of all of it. And so, yeah, even if the Sistine Chapel is destroyed, there's um, super high definition digital um, files and recordings of the Sistine Chapel and of all of these works of art and of that all Sony of owns the copyright too, so we'll have to pay them. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, they're 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 nasty about that too. Um, <laughs> I've heard that if you if you go to the Sistine Chapel, if you even uh, if you just pick up your phone or your or your or your um, or or your camera and and make like you're going to point at the ceiling, you'll be grabbed and told okay you you have to leave now you are not uh, allowed you're not allowed to take photos in there because sony owns the copyright to all the imagery well here's the thing about it is that they're they're so greedy and evil and that they pack they pack people into the vatican museums and specifically into the sistine chapel um to where i mean it's like cattle car packing people in to where you're standing there and you are you are just shoulder to shoulder packed 
no, you can't move. You all you can do is stand there and throw your head back and look up for as long as you can until your neck, you know, cramps or whatever. That's why when I went to Rome in December of 2012, um, it was it was an absolutely amazing experience because I got I got to the Vatican museums at like 7:45 in the morning and just sprinted to the Sistine Chapel, and I was alone, alone in the Sistine Chapel for fully 20 minutes. And that's just, that doesn't happen today. And so not only did I get to see it, but I, I got to actually genuinely pray. And th again, this is this was on the, I can tell you exactly the day it was. It was the 12th of December, 2012, 12, 12, 12. That's when I went to the Vatican Museums and the Sistine Chapel. And little did I know that just a matter of weeks from, from that day, they would be holding a fake conclave in there. And I was in there on the 12th of December, 2012, and looked up at the last judgment and stood there and prayed and prayed the prayers at the foot of the altar that we say at mass every day and was able to just be in there in in prayerful silence in addition to being able to also look look at the art and contemplate the art for 20 minutes that, that just doesn't happen anymore that was a borderline miracle i'm convinced looking back at it um that was a very bittersweet day looking back um but i did have i did have that I did have the benefit of that so but they're they're so greedy and they pack people in there so hard and yeah what i've been told now is that there's there's guards who are just they're telling they're always shushing everybody but in the act of shushing everybody it there's a cacophony of guards yelling at people telling people to be quiet and there's also a cacophony of guards yelling at people no photo no photo no photo no photo so I mean, it's if the Vatican museums and if the Sistine Chapel, if all that stuff isn't physically destroyed after the triumph of the Immaculate Heart, you have to shut it all down. You obviously have to get the entire corrupt mafia out of there and get it back to a situation where there's a reasonable amount number of people being let in there. Um, and, you know, it isn't just the Disneyland sickening, disgusting, for-profit and, and only for-profit tourist trap that it is now. And now it's funny you mention Sony and whoever owns it. They're, they are now, they're having corporate dinners, rock concerts. I mean, they're doing, they'll, they'll rent the Sistine Chapel out in exactly the same way that you can go to the embassy suites and rent out a ballroom. I mean, they're they're renting it out exactly like that as a corporate as a corporate entertaining function space. It's it's sick. It's absolutely sick. And again, it's it's you just have to imagine that God is looking at this and saying, "This is why you people can't have nice things. If you're going to do this, then you're going to lose it. I'm going to take it away from you." And <laughs> I can't blame him. And again, you want to you want to look at how good God is and how merciful he is. Like I said, it's the fact that he's allowed us to get to the point where we have the technology and all of it's recorded. So it won't just be people, you know, saying, oh, 
Ah, I saw, I saw the Sistine Chapel. No, you'll be able to go and take your book out of the bookcase and show it or go on the internet if the internet still exists and pull up all these, these images and pictures that will all still exist. But the physical space, the physical space has been so corrupted, so corrupted that I, I don't understand how it could at this point not, not fall under the wrath of God. So there's that. Well, we have the technology to know what it looked like if it's destroyed in the same mm -hmm. sense that we have the technology to rebuild Notre Dame Cathedral. But they are now saying that because of the delays before even starting, they're now saying it's going to be two years before they start doing anything. That's one of the numbers I heard. But I also heard that if something isn't done in the next six months, the walls are going to fall in. Yeah. And so they'll just have to wreck the whole, th they just have to, to level the whole thing anyway. Again, this, I can't help but think of the fate of Notre Dame Cathedral as a reflection of the earthly institution of the church at the moment. And if, if Rome was wiped out, the Sistine Chapel was wiped out, I think we would just replace it with something entirely different. We might have some paintings to remind us what that masterpiece, uh, I think it was Michelangelo, wasn't it, who, who painted that? Maybe mm -hmm. we'll do something different. Maybe loosely inspired by, maybe something better. We can always do better. Um, the Italian painters were great. Another th another question I have is, uh, assuming Rome is leveled, at some point in the future, does the seat of the church have to be at Rome? The, the, the successor of Peter doesn't have to be tied to any particular city. I mean, Peter was in Antioch for a while, then came to Rome, and for a while his successors were in Avignon. Why well, Is there some mystical reason why Rome is appropriate? I'm not saying they should go to Brussels or London or New York, but why Rome? Because it was it it was the head of the world, Caput Mundi. It was the head of the world. And the fact that Peter and Paul were both martyred there, um, and that it was Peter's see for, for years and years and years. Um obviously the Pope was in Avignon for for decades and decades and decades and um there is prophecy about you know there being a temporary transferal to portugal at some point um that's kind of hard to believe because you know the church in portugal is not in good shape at all i mean i don't think it's it's quite as bad as germany but it's Portugal's not in good shape by any means. So that's kind of, but again, all these prophecies have a way <laughs> of, you know, you, you look at it and, and before the fact, it just looks, it looks extremely cryptic and what could that possibly mean? And, and what could that possibly look like? And then you say, Oh, that's what that means. As you know, especially that seems like that happens about once a week now, not to get off on a tangent, make sure you circle me back, but this just reminds me of something. Speaking of prophecies coming into uh, coming into crisp focus, um, I believe is it Emmerich? Who is it? Uh, yeah, it is Emmerich. So Emmerich, I've, I've got it up on a tab here. Let me let me. Um, here it is. All right. All right. So this is this is one of Emmerich's prophecies. Quote, then I saw an apparition of the mother of God, and she said that the tribulation would be very great. She added that people must pray fervently with outstretched arms, be it only long enough to say three are fathers. 
This is the way her son prayed for them on the cross. And, you know, you look at that and you say, well, you know, we're not charismatics. We don't wave our hands around in church and all of this. And then something happened again, just, just within the last few weeks. And that comes into crisp, crisp focus. Do you remember they did a, a Christmas concert? Uh, I think it was on like a Christmas concert slash fundraising telethon, which runs on Italian television every year. I didn't realize this. And it's a telethon. It's like the Jerry Lewis telethon or whatever. They do it in the Paul VI audience hall. They have different musical acts and so on and so forth. And this is this is the church doing this, okay? Is this the same thing they had like the Pink Floyd laser light show on St. Peter's? Uh, no, that was outside. This one is, it's in the Paul VI audience hall and it's an annual event. It's the Vatican Christmas concert telethon. This year, they carted out as part of this one of these Amazonian witches, a female Amazon witch who comes out on stage, gives a whole discourse on the worshiping of the Pachamama, and then tells everybody there present, here's how you do it. Cross your arms over your chest and feel the vibration of Mother Earth and connect yourself and worship Mother Earth. And here's all of these um, prelates and cardinals and all the people in the audience hall of, of the Vatican for the, the Vatican Christmas concert engaging in this ritual at the instruction and behest of an Amazon witch telling them how to properly worship the Pachamama. And they're all doing it. And the, the point of it was, is it's cross your arms over your chest. And I look at that and I say, wait a minute. That's like what, what Emmerich said in that prophecy. Let me read it again. Quote. Well, okay, I, hold on a second. The, the whole posture of crossing your arms over your chest. I know some people, when they go to communion, if they just want the blessing, they, they do that. I was taught if, you, if you're going to communion, you just want a blessing, you put your hand over your mouth. And I, I distinctly recall growing up in St. Mary's, Kansas, during the French phase, when all the priests there were from France, somebody went to communion in that, that fashion and got scolded for it because apparently uh -huh. that was the uh, French Revolution signal of non-servion to the church. You cross yep. your arms across your chest. Yep. When I was in RCIA, it was the same thing. They would all make us, not make us, but we were told get in the line and go through the communion line and put cross your arms over your chest and and father will give you a blessing well obviously you had to get into father's line um and 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 then what the priest would do is he would have the host in, in his he would have a host in his hand and he would reach up and he would with his other three fingers of his right hand make the make a cross on your forehead or something like that while holding the host this is it's all a modernism guys the communion line the communion rail you're not going to get a blessing it's it's for the reception of holy communion it's not and this this whole all feeds into the whole participation trophy thing 
if you're not going to make a sacramental communion, don't approach. It's not, that's not what communion is. It isn't you going up to get your participation trophy, whether it be a host or um, a, a blessing from father. That's, that's not appropriate. It's all a modernism. Absolutely. You should not do this. Then, like you said, you start looking this up. This is this is a main posture in the rubrics and um, rituals of Freemasonry. This is a main posture in Satanism, exactly like you just said, because it's the posture of non servium. I will not serve. Bergoglio, his pectoral cross that he wears around his neck, which is super creepy. It's he claims that it's supposed to be the good shepherd. So it's a man and it looks like there's a sheep around the man's neck and the man has his arms crossed like he's holding the legs of the sheep that's around his neck with his arms crossed. But what it ends up looking like is it ends up looking like a skull and crossbones and it's super creepy. And second of all, you would never, ever hold a sheep if you had a little lamb and you put it around your neck and carry it as shepherds do. You would never, ever hold it by crossing your arms. You would hold it, you know, with your left hand on the left and right hand on the right. As, as our Lord, whenever he's depicted in this way as the good shepherd, he's always depicted holding, it, holding the little lamb around his neck exactly the way that any shepherd would normally left left to left right to right arms not crossed then you couple it with this this emmerich thing then i saw an apparition of the mother of god and she said that the tribulation would be very great she added that people must pray fervently with outstretched arms and it's just like ding light bulb goes on maybe that maybe that with this clearly this apostasy going on inside the vatican you have this imagery going all over the world. You've got a pagan Amazon witch showing people, demonstrating how to worship a demon. And all of these clerics and prelates inside the Vatican are shown with big, big grins on their faces, arms crossed, engaging in this pagan ritual. And you just like, oh, ho, 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 ho. Emmerich is, Emmerich gets more impressed. I mean, Emmerich has always been impressive, but over the course of the last few years, Emmerich is, has just gone exponentially off the charts, mind-blowingly more impressive with all of this stuff that's going on. And a lot of the stuff in Emmerich that seemed cryptic and kind of, well, I wonder what that means. I wonder what I wonder what she meant by that. Whoa, boy, there's there's a lot, like I said, coming into focus with Emmerich. So there, there you go. G good, bad, or otherwise, there it is. Which book in, in particular are you referring to there, or is it just any Emmerich? Um, let's see. This uh, this is actually a citation in another book. What book is this? Pope Francis, the last Pope, Money, Masons, and Occultism in the Decline of Something by Leo Lyon Zagami. And it's just it just came up on, on Google Books when I searched for this Emmerich quote, pray fervently with outstretched arms. And it's just, it exists as a citation in, in, in that book. But 
these these Emmerich citations are easy to find. They're all over the internet. So, you know, just type Emmerich and the general topic in a, in a specific keyword that you're looking for, and you're probably not going to have much difficulty finding it within her, her oeuvre. Definitely some things we'll have to put in the show notes for um, further reading and discussion. Um, let's see, looking at our notes. Oh, there's a new game now, Anne. Have you heard about this one? It's called Where the World is Theodore McCarrick. <laughs> yeah. Um, again, every <laughs> lying liars who lie, you can't, you can't trust anything. We do know that he's been, that he's out of Victoria, Kansas. Thanks be to God. And I'm not surprised because the uh, Capuchin Franciscans of that, of that zone, which I believe they're technically headquartered. I mean, they're probably headquartered in Denver, but the, like the spiritual headquarters of the central, Amer central province of the Capuchin Franciscans is there in Victoria, Kansas. And they just, they just released a few months ago, their list of abusers. And there were a bunch of them, a bunch of guys who were from that area and, and, you know, had been through Victoria, had been stationed at Victoria and, and thereabouts. So the Capuchins have have quite a mess in their lap internally. And the people around there, around Victoria and around Hayes, they were super pissed about the fact that, that uh, McCarrick was there. And why the hell is McCarrick there? He was laicized. Why should he be, you know, why should the church be paying for anything for this guy? Um, and we need to talk about his laicization too. So make sure I get back to that. Um, at, but he's, he's out of Victoria. So he's not in Victoria anymore, but nobody can figure out where he is. James Grind, the vi his, uh, McCarrick's victim, the, the guy who blew, blew the whistle and, and got the whole um, ball rolling with McCarrick. He said that he had information that McCarrick was in a luxury priest retirement village down in Jacksonville, Florida, then, yeah, I think Church Militant picks that up because they're they're tight with with James Grine, and you know he he told them, so they report this. And then the archdiocese um, denies that he's there and says Church Militant never contacted us. Well, here's the thing: Church Militant did contact them and has audio, in fact, of the telephone call, which. That's another thing. If you were any sort of a, a journalist today of any stripe, I, I would be audio recording absolutely everything. I would not speak on the telephone, Skype, anything else without having a recorder running. Now, I know you can fake stuff like that, and, but it, it would be another level of protection, it seems to me, that one could have to, to just audio record everything. It would yeah, either have to be in writing, digital, that was you know, screen cap, saved, archived, whatever, carbon copied, duplicated. And if it was if it was a voice communication, I would insist that it all be, all be recorded at all times. Just make that the, the default, you know? Um, well, so and if somebody challenged whether or not it was a legitimate uh, recording and you do it by recording a phone call. I mean, I'm recording this on a Mac right now, and, and we're using wire, but it could just as easily be a telephone call. It just wouldn't be as high a quality. But if it, if it was a recording of a telephone call, in addition to having the recording and the voices that sound like mine that sound like yours, we could also sue for discovery against the tel telephone providers and say, yeah. Verizon, give me my call records, and AT&T, give me Ann's call records, and see that they match up at this particular point in time. 
Yeah, true. Absolutely. So there, there, there are ways to do forensics on all that kind of stuff. Um, and so the archdiocese in Florida denies that he's there. But of course, we all, we, again, circling back to where we started, these people lie with, with complete facility. Um, they, they have no pangs of conscience. It's, it's really sad to watch Western Christian civilization descend into um, a pagan, and, and it's very reminiscent of an Islamic paradigm, and I've talked about this before. In Islamic countries, the baseline assumption when you are dealing with other human beings at all times, everybody is working on the understood baseline assumption that everyone's lying. And we, in Christendom, we still haven't gotten our heads around this. And as the church obviously descends and, you know, these bishops are all super corrupt sodomites, most of them, um, et cetera, et cetera. You're dealing with a pagan apostate, you know, um, aspiring to be an Islamic, basically, um, paradigm. And so what you have to understand is that these people lie. Oh, the bishop he would never lie the bishop would lie first of all the bishop is probably the biggest liar and then the second biggest liar is the bishop's secretary press secretary all of those people those people are hired specifically to be liars to go out and lie to the press to lie to the public that's that's what a pr person that's what a that's what a press representative that's their job to go lie um and people just don't want to believe this so wh where is mccarrick is is he in this super plush priest retirement home in florida is he not there is he somewhere else um, but back to the point of the fact that that McCarrick was laicized. Here's here's the deal. You asked me, well, Anne, you think McCarrick should have been laicized? No, I don't think McCarrick should have been laicized. And here's why. Um, you look historically at the church. First of all, the priesthood is is it's a sacrament. Holy orders is a sacrament. Priests are are ordained and anointed with oil. It is a supernatural sacramental dynamic, and pre—excuse uh, me—bishops. Um, um, when you are when you are elevated and you are consecrated a bishop, you are consecrated, and again you are anointed. It is a it is a sacrament. It is part of the sacrament of holy orders. Um, just a quick review: the papacy is not the fourth level of holy orders. The papacy is a juridical office. So that's why a pope can resign. Um, and that's why there's no such thing as a pope emeritus. And it's one of uh, Pope Benedict's substantially erroneous propositions that that w once, and he said this, he said this specifically, and there's his, and there's one of the proof sets of his error that um, the once, the 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 once is a forever and that once you're the pope you're always the pope that is absolutely false that is incorrect and you say and how dare you how dare you correct joseph ratzinger pope benedict the pope benedict the 16th how dare you well because i mean if he said two plus two equals five that would also be in error and i would say that's wrong um yeah, there's that is not how the papacy works the levels of ordination are deacon priest bishop one two three there's nothing above bishop the 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 pope is is 
the holder of a juridical office. Now it's it's a completely unique juridical office in that it enjoys supernatural protection, negative protection, guaranteed in the gospels by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ himself. But it's a juridical office. So it is possible for a, a pope to validly resign. It's just that that hasn't happened since since Celestine V. Um, so, or it, is it Celestine V? Is he the last one? Or Gregory the something was the last one? I thought it was Celestine I think, V. I, th I think, yeah, I think it was Celestine V. Okay, anyway, um, our listenership will, will correct or confirm as the case may be required. Um, so anyway, with regards to McCarrick and laicization, it, you, don't, you don't laicize the priest or the bishop. I mean, and I mean, obviously, laicization means going all the way back down. You don't do that as a you've been naughty and now I'm going to take this away from you. The only reason historically that that anybody was defrocked or laicized would have been that they had committed some crime. Um, the church maintains its separation from, from the civil state such that the civil state doesn't come in and start, you know, adjudicating things. And, and the church basically says, we, we are a separate entity, separate from the state, and we're going to take care of our own, and we're going to police our own. However, the church is loath to, let's be honest, to execute um criminal criminal priests or bishops who needed to be executed churches is loath to do this and so what what would happen is if for example you you catch a sodomite you catch a guy in flagrante uh, a priest in flagrante delecto with with a boy or a lad let's say okay this is a capital offense the reason that the priest would be laicized was so that then the church could hand him over to the civil authorities and say, okay, now you try him for, for sodomy and, and pederasty and whatever and execute him. And this, this is what, you know, people are just, you know, triggered and delicate. Nobody wants to talk about this. Pius V, and we'll put this citation, a link to this citation in the show notes. This is Pius V, Pope St. Pius V, as in Battle of Lepanto, Pius V, as in the right of Pius V, the, which is the Roman right that we're all under, the Tridentine right that we go to every day. That's called the Pian right. It's the right of Pius V, promulgated by him. Pius V said, you lay aside these sodomites and you hand them over to the civil authorities so that the civil authorities can then try them and upon being found guilty, execute them. And I mean, the presumption is that if the church is going to going to the extremes of defrocking, laicizing the, the man, and then handing him over to the civil authorities, it goes without saying that he's guilty of, of sodomy, pederasty, rape, whatever, whatever it is. That's why you, you defrock priests. Otherwise, it was is you. It's just not done. It it was not done, and this whole business of priests saying, "Oh, 
I've, I've come to a point in my life where I just want to make a change and I'm just, I'm going to start a new phase in my life. So I'm just going to go ahead and get laicized. And everybody says, oh, we're so happy for you. Oh, this is going to be wonderful. Aside, aside, speaking of, this is getting ready to happen. Um, want to just put it out there and I'll write a written post too so that it propagates in writing on the internet. This is getting ready to happen. There's going to be a big scandal because this guy is hyper, hyper public and this is all going to happen in public. It has been very reliably confirmed to me that father, now I guess X, if, if the laicization has even been come through yet, but ex-father Jonathan Morris, the Fox News priest, reliably, very reliably confirmed to me that Jonathan Morris is in fact um, a man who engages in the sins of Sodom with other men, that he is on the prowl for a fake husband, and that when this all happens, that this ex-priest, Father Jonathan Morris, who, by the way, married Liz Lev and Thomas Williams. How about that? Because they're all Legion um, criminals together, Legion of Christ criminals together. Father Jonathan Morris will, will come out, have a big coming out publicly on Fox News. Everybody will say, oh, we're, oh, we're so happy for you. And now you can live in, in your own best truth. And, and, oh, we're so excited for you in this exciting new phase of your life. And that, yes, this guy wants to fake marry another man, which he engages in the sins of Sodom with. And so there will be the massive scandal of this who markets him, marketed and markets himself as a conservative priest, as a conservative Roman Catholic priest who has now, A, walked away from his vows to Jesus Christ and his holy church, is going to come out as a sodomite and is gunning to ape the sacrament of marriage with another sodomite man. This will all be hyper, hyper open. Um, so if and when this happens and I've been reliably confirmed that this is this is the path and this is the tra trajectory and and people should brace themselves for this contingency. Um, and again, it's it's is it detraction? Well, no, because these people are so public and are going to cause such a massive ma already has and then it's just going it's going to get orders of magnitude worse with Father Jonathan Morris so everybody just brace for that but this whole deal of these priests just walking away and oh we're so happy for you man laicization <laughs> the only reason the church did that up until up until the the hitting of the asteroid in the middle of the 20th century is basically so that the civil authorities could could try incarcerate um, and even execute criminals that needed to be executed. So no, McCarrick shouldn't have been laicized. I mean that's <laughs> McCarrick clearly doesn't believe in any of it. He, there's there's a really really good chance that he's an active Satanist, that he worships Satan. Um, so why would it be, why would you think that it would be any sort of a punishment for a man like McCarrick to, ha to have, to be laicized? 
okay, so we're going to laicize you. You're going to go live in some luxury dig somewhere on the church's dime. I mean, wh- where where is the punishment in all of this? There's there's no punishment in that for a man like McCarrick. Um, <laughs> the punishment for a man like McCarrick would be to send him off to some monastery somewhere, make him offer the you know, make him offer the old right mass every day and pray the entire divine o- and chant the entire divine office in, in choir. That, that would be a punishment for Theodore McCarrick. Um, being laicized, you think, you think McCarrick lost one night's sleep or shed one tear over that? Oh no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. They don't believe in any of it anyway. Why would that make any difference to McCarrick? So that's the McCarrick rant. So what's the solution other than just lay aside? But then you got to have competent authorities to actually follow through and do the right thing. Well, exactly. I mean, that presumes that there's, <laughs> you're exactly right. That presumes that there is a sane, competent civil authority um, to try a guy like him or that there's anywhere in the church I mean, McCarrick was the top of the top. I mean, who who are you going to appeal to? You know, I mean, who are you going to say, well, <laughs> well, Theodore McCarrick, now you're gonna you're gonna have to go see so and so, and so and so. He's gonna he's gonna bring the hammer down on you. What Bergoglio? Hell no. McCarrick McCarrick was Bergoglio's boy. And by the way, just reiterating again for the listeners, they probably already know all of this. Um, everyone. Everyone, everyone knew what McCarrick was. Hell, I knew what McCarrick was. Donald Whirl, exactly the same. Everyone knows what Donald Whirl is, which is sodomite. They, it's everyone knows this. Anyone? I had no idea. I'm shot. Oh, please, please. There is no bigger bunch of gossip hens than churchmen. Everyone knows this, and not just in Rome, all over the world. Everyone knew what McCarrick was. Everyone knows what Donald Worrell is. Everyone knows what Tobin is. Everyone knows what all of these people are. Supich, all of them. Everyone knows. There's this all of this stuff about <gasps> pearl, pearl clutching, and oh, we're just shocked. I just, I just don't know what to say. Fake, lying, fakery. 100%. The upper echelon of the Legion of Christ knew what Maciel was. <gasps> I just, I'm just shocked. No, you aren't. You knew it. You knew it. You all are blackmailing each other. That's the thing. The culture inside the church day is one of blackmail. Why doesn't anybody say anything? Why does everybody turn a blind eye everything? Because as I've been saying for years and years and years and years and years now, they're all blackmailable. It is a total culture of blackmail everywhere. Well, if, if you turn me in for going and picking up boy prostitutes on one of the bridges in Rome, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to spill the beans on what I know you have done, you know, in gay bars or whatever the hell it is. And they're all just constantly, and can you imagine living your life like that? Where even your, your quote unquote friends, even your allies, you know, the, the, the other sodomites, they're, they're even 
everyone is just constantly leveraging everyone else, threatening. There's a, there's a cloud of the threat of blackmail between absolutely everyone, everyone. You don't have any friends. You don't actually trust anybody. And then you, you stop and you realize, well, yeah, it's diabolical narcissism with the demons. There is no charity. There is no relationship. Uh, you, um, you stole the line. I was waiting for a pause to say that. Let me think. A, a place where there's no charity, there, there's no no familial bonds, or there's, there's, there's no, nothing nice going on. That sounds like yep. hell. It's, it's exactly what hell is. And it's the one thing you can say. I mean, obviously, C.S. Lewis's um, The Screwtape Letters is, is an extremely valuable um, piece, piece of literature that can teach lessons. However, the problem with it is that it foments in the mind of man the whole idea that, you know, there's, there's heaven, which is one team over here, and then there's hell, which is another team. And that the people on that team or the demons on the team, team hell, that they're all buds and they're in relationship with each other. And they, they write very, very kind letters to each other, telling each other how to help each other out and, and et cetera, et cetera. Now, I, I fully understand that this is purely a, um, a literary device that Lewis used. But I think it, it one of the things that it's done is that it's confused people into thinking that the demons are are a that they're a clique that they're a group that they are a group of of friends or family or something like that like and a they're drinking on club or something a drinking club and that they're on their team over there and that they have relationship that that is wrong all of the demons hate each other there is no relationship. There is no charity in hell. They all hate each other, but they, they, in a sense, I don't know if work together is the same. They will, exactly like sodomites in the church, they will form temporary alliances in order to, you know, achieve their own goals of, you know, trying to destroy as many human souls as they possibly can. Um, and so there is, there is cooperation in that sense, but, but there is no relationship. They don't like each other. They don't, they hate each other. They hate everything. Anger, hatred, jealousy, fear. Remember from the diabolical narcissism work in the diabolical narcissism video, that is the palette anger, hatred, jealousy, fear. There is nothing else. So, you know, it's something to think about. It, it's good to think about hell. It's good to think about these dynamics. It's good to think about what the demons are and then what, as a result, all human beings, whether they be in hell or whether it be human beings who are still alive and on earth, who have, who have chosen to go the demonic path, the diabolical narcissistic path, um, you you need to understand what these dynamics are. And a very informative thing is when you that light bulb goes on over your head and you realize that it's not team heaven and team hell. It's team heaven. Oh, you can't even understand the bonds of charity. I mean, everybody's indwelling inside of the triune Godhead himself. He who is himself pure, infinite love. 
mean, to say that there are bonds of charity there is the understatement of, you know, the entire universe. Yes, it's team heaven. Hell is exactly the opposite of that. Isolation, no relationship, hatred, everyone and everything raging eternally at everyone and everything else including all of the the demons that are in hell, all of the human souls, the damned that are in hell, and then raging at all of the people who are in heaven, not that they can hear or care or anything else, but people in hell raging at the people in heaven, raging at the angels in heaven, and the ultimate, raging at God himself. I mean, and that's the point of it, raging at God himself. That's what hell is. So, yeah, I mean the the whole corruption and everybody's trying to blackmail everyone else it is a demonic paradigm in every sense so welcome to 2020 that's the the palette of topics for the time being (laughs) (laughs) so so uplifting (laughs) but um we yeah, sorry, but we're back. And I well, yeah, I was gonna say it, it sounds like the same positive message, but actually, no, that <laughs> there there is a lot of of negativity to be aware of, mm-hmm. or of which to be aware, if I said it correctly. And it's not to be down and and to be depressed and focus on the negativity and and and, and the the demonic nature of things. We we know the end of the story already. The immaculate yes. heart will triumph. The sacred heart will triumph. Yes, and it's going to get really dark before that bright event happens and yeah we don't say all this to make you gloomy but to as anna said before so you're not scandalized that's exactly right yeah things are going to get worse what what prevents scandal information information the truth Ironically enough, the truth prevents scandal. And scandal is when someone does something that causes another person to either A, lose their faith, throw up their hands and say, this is all BS, I'm walking away, which a lot of people are doing, which is why we have to keep going. We have to double down. Satan wants us all to quit because he doesn't want that information to get out there because he wants people to just be you know gobsmacked and caught by surprise and just and just have you know this visceral reaction of throwing up their hands and saying i'm done this is all bs the more you know the more you understand the more braced you are for this stuff it's, it's like it's why i mentioned father jonathan morris there will be people who will throw up their hands and say that's it i mean if that if that guy is a sodomite and he's he's going to get married that's it i'm done the other uh the part b of scandal is doing something that causes someone else to emulate your sin commit a sin of their own etc cetera, etc cetera. again using father jonathan morris as an example if and when this all comes out <laughs> no pun intended um there are going to be extraordinarily poorly catechized and i'm gonna make a make a generalization novus ordo cathy's you know these 60 65 70 year old women 75 year old women who are gonna say oh oh i just love him on television i love seeing him on television all the time and you know what if he's gay then it must be okay it must be okay. And so 
there's that there's that other aspect of it or just you know committing committing sins yourself now the novus ordo catholics are probably not going to well you know as i'm i was just getting ready to say the novus ordo catholics are probably not going to fall into the sins of sodom but i have to check myself because one of the um one of the demographics that is exploding in terms of um, sexual perversion and adopting sexual perversion is, wait for it, post-menopausal divorced women who are saying, well, maybe I should just be a lesbian. And, you know, and they're, and they fall into that narcissism because remember the over, the, the antecedent pathology of all sexual perversion is narcissism. So they're in sin they they've they're civilly divorced whether they abandon their husband or their husband abandon them they're not honoring their marriage vows and then they fall into narcissism and then they they look by example at all of these people men and women who are publicly engaging in and being celebrated for it for publicly engaging in, in acts of sexual perversion and sodomy say well i could do that too maybe i should be a lesbian so yeah, sadly, very, very sadly, the incidence of lesbianism among postmenopausal women in the post-Christian West is going through the roof. So I can't even say that. But yeah, scandal is something that might incite someone else to commit commit sins as well. So information, information, information. So you can see this coming. It's it's war. I mean, think about it in terms of war. This is war. What? Do, do you want tactical information? Do you want to know what is coming at you in advance so that you can prepare, so that you can strategize, so that you can even form, you know, a counteroffensive against this stuff? Um, the answer to that question is yes. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. So um, that's why we talk about this. And again, I mean, it, it's it's such it's so strange because um, you know I had lots of guests and and did lots of lovely fun stuff as as Christmas continues. Christmas continues apace, um, but during during Christmas. And you know the thing you just you stop and you re and you're just so happy you know, and I'm happy all the time I'm happy every day and he, I think a lot of people are 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 really surprised by that they say well Anne Barnhart she must be one of the most miserable people alive and nothing could be further from the truth I mean I I have the highest quality of life of of I have one of the highest qualities of life of anyone alive today it's just I just cannot believe the quality of life that I have, the things that I'm able to do, you know, and, and it's just, my life is almost suspiciously wonderful. I, I almost have to keep it, keep in check. And, and, you know, one of the ways you keep that in check is gratitude, 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 just thanking our Lord every single day after every meal, you know, obviously after every mass, I mean, just, showers and showers and showers of gratitude that's what kind of that's what keeps you in check but um when you you know what's going on you have information um and then you, you realize that that we're the ones who have been picked for these times and we've talked about 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 this before on the podcast it's just incomprehensibly good you know um if if you're if you're depressed and bummed out um by all this stuff I don't want to say 
that's problematic. But I mean, if you're if you're just careening into some really super dark levels of depression or anything like that, if you're in any way tempted to despair, um, if you're if you're flirting with with ideas of apostasy or or anything like that, if you find yourself constantly shaking your fist at God and shaking your fist at the divine providence, that's a problem because you need to see the divine providence working in all of this and how good God is and how merciful he is and how the divine providence works and is just bending over backwards for all of us. Um, well, if you read, you read the gospel, obviously there is evil in the world. Christ was crucified by men, mm -hmm. men motivated by the devil. Sure. But to paraphrase uh, something that was said in a sermon a few years ago, uh, we have, as Catholics, no reason to be depressed or anxious. We can have our sins forgiven. Yes. Who else can honestly say that? No one. We have the ability to screw up and then recover and mm -hmm. still have a chance to get to heaven. Now, you shouldn't be screwing up. This is true. But in terms of knowing about all of this stuff so you're not scandalized, I've told the story before of, of when I was in the Navy, one of the black boatsman, one of the, one of the, the E1, E2 new guy in the Navy, black guy. I don't know who said what to him, but he took it as being racially charged and he was pulled aside by one of the, uh, first class boatsman, another black guy. And the part that I overheard that's always stuck with me is nobody can make you do anything. And what he was referring to is, is inferring some meaning or feeling from it. And he was saying, yeah, there are some cracker bastards out there who are going to say some insensitive <laughs> things and some of them mean it in a hateful way and some of them are just being stupid and knowing that that evil is out there inoculates you from overreacting mm -hmm. because if you overreact to something somebody stupid says and does you're the idiot not them mm -hmm. and i think that's well it, it, i'm saying it in a completely different way but i think that's kind of what you're getting at it it, it is absolutely well said and the fact that that you just dropped cracker bastard that, that's <laughs> i wish we could name episode 100 <laughs> you cracker bastards <laughs> but we can't <laughs> but, but, well in terms of getting the word that, out that was that was that was awesome <laughs> in, in terms of getting the communication out there though i do want to say thank you to the nine or ten folks i didn't count them up beforehand uh, we had that blog post out temporarily uh, calling to back up Ann's YouTube channel. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. YouTube changed their rules. They, I don't think they've banned anyone yet. I think they're waiting for things to settle down. I think they're waiting for to establish precedent. They're going to start pulling people before long because especially Ann's content, most of it, the visual stuff isn't necessary. It's essentially a podcast with some video elements. And if you listen to it, and you didn't watch it, you'd lose nothing. And that's exactly the videos that YouTube hates. And especially the content that Anne is putting out because they, <laughs> yeah. can't, they can't sell ads on this. Who's, well, what, and, what? I, and I would never monetize it anyway. So it's just, it's just pure bandwidth suck for YouTube. Um, and totally against their ideology. So... Right, yeah. so thank thank you to the nine or ten folks who backed up uh, Anne's YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have, if you'd like to back it up for your own interest, go ahead and email me. Uh, 
or just email podcast at uh, barnhart.biz and I'll, I'll send the information across. Um, and, and of course, I backed it up as well. And, and there had been a blog post previous that explained how to do this. So I mm-hmm. re-backed everything up. And something else I noticed is that YouTube changed some of – this isn't nefarious. It's just YouTube trying to figure out uh, video science here. They, they've changed some of the underlying um, – uh, video types. So if you download something and instead of seeing video extensions that you would rec- they would recognize or, or, or would know what to do with, some of them come down with WebM as an extension instead of MP4. It, it plays. It, it, it's, it's, it, it's something that they've really started doing in the last year and a half, but uh, it, you've, you've got it backed up. Don't worry about it. So if we ever have to recover this on some other service, we can do it. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm taking your word for on all of that. So yes, uh, yeah, I've got the software to translate it. I, I proved this all out. So, but there, there's a okay. Yeah, I, I could geek out on this for a while, and I'm not going to because I, I don't think even the technical people really care about this. <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out what other items did I have before finishing up here. Um, I thought I had one other technical item, but um, I think we're pretty much done. Okay. All right. I mean, the podcast has to be done. I mean, my, my glass of vodka is empty now. <laughs> oh, dear. Vodka. Ma, okay. I was just drinking water. Huh? <laughs> you should have told me. <laughs> I would have at least had a glass of port or something. Yeah, we're, we're done with the notes. Um, I guess we can go to the wrap-up. The email address for the show is podcast at barnhart.biz. If you have uh, any email suggestions, comments, or recommendations for topics for future shows that is the, that is the email address podcast at barnhart.biz masses for Anne's benefactors at least one mass every single day and of course two i think two if not three well at least one at, yeah, but some, absolutely at least one guaranteed yes some days two some days three and of course at least once every week a requiem for everybody who died in the previous week whether you died because you were hit by a hellfire missile or you were part of a canadian um, university trip coming back from Iran. Yeah, Everybody who died in the last week, there's going to be at least one Requiem Mass offered for them. And please, please pray for the priests. Without the priests, we don't have sacraments. Without the sacraments, we have no chance of getting to heaven. So please pray for the priests. We need them way more than we need than they need us for the, most of the time. So um, <laughs> priests listening are saying, "Oh, you said a mouthful there, buddy." <laughs> <laughs> the Barnhart Podcast is a production of Super Nerd Media. If you'd like to learn more about uh, what's going on there, supernerdmedia.com slash donate is a place where you can uh, help support this, which reminds me, I need to renew barnhart.biz, the domain name. I've got that email sitting at the top yeah, of my that, inbox that here. Might be, that might be good. <laughs> I'm going to renew that for nine or ten years and just have that off the to-do list for, yes. for quite a while. I'm not yes. going to let it lapse, but uh, that... In, in terms of keeping the websites up, keeping the, the podcast going, that's what the dona- donations there primarily go to support. So, other than, Oh, I did want to thank the, the donors who sent something in since the last podcast. It's been over a month now, or almost mm-hmm. a month. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to thank Anne, Mark, Richard, actually Richard twice, and, and that all came in through the P.O. Box. There's currently no way to send in electronic donations. That'll probably be fixed here in the next 60 days. But... Um, Thank you, everyone, who's supporting that uh, initiative. And also, Anne, you, I don't know if that was something you wanted to point out. Um, 
for folks who are contributing to you, they're, the continue to give folks were asking for a tip. Are they still doing that or was that temporary? Oh, yeah. Somebody, somebody just pointed out to me that continue to give has added a little thing that when you go, remember, continue to give is mine. Um, it, Super Nerd and I are completely separate. So if you click on my donate to Ann Barnhart button, it goes to continue to give. And they've now added a thing where you you do the normal thing and you fill in the amount or uh, if it's a one-time or recurring and all that. Now there's a little window popping up and it says, would you like to leave a tip, an additional tip for continue to give, which is new. And somebody emailed me and said, is this, is this okay? Is this legit? And yeah, it is. Um, I'm not saying you have to leave continue to give a tip. I mean, they get, they get a cut of everything. Um, obviously that's their business model, but they are soliciting a tip, a gratuity on top of the cut that they already get. And their, their cut is reasonable and they provide an incredible service and they've been absolutely wonderful to work with. Now I've been with them for, it's going on five years now and they're, they are just great. Can't say enough about them, but you are not obliged to leave them a tip. And that is not um, a phishing thing or anything Ill illegitimate. It's just a new thing that they've added. So if you see that, do not be freaked out by it. Um, it is them and it's legit, but you don't have to leave a tip. You don't have to leave a tip to continue to give. And um, um, just, and while, while we're on the subject, guys, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, Christmas, it, it, there are many, many people who leave me stocking stuffers of various sizes at Christmas. And I just, I, I cannot thank you all enough for you, your munificence as always. Um, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going as long as we can. So, so onward and upward 100 word and next stop 200 baby. Right. And there are going to be some podcasts coming that uh, I'm not part of. So in fact, yeah, my, my choppiness in, in, in doing the wrap up here is I'm actually reading from the email that I sent Mark because he was saying, how do you do the uh, the email or the, the podcast wrap up so I can I can do it correctly? And I just sent him some bullet points and I was reading from that instead of my finally uh, scripted out uh, ending. And so I, I, I was tripping over my own advice here to, <laughs> to Mark. So um, yeah, I, my so advice to Mark, script this, my bullet points out in your own words. So you don't trip over it like I just did. Um, but anyways, so probably the, the Barnhart podcast episodes 101 and 102 will be with Mark Doherty of the non-Vinnie Pochum blog. It's time again, we're going to do another, another episode on the anti-papacy so that we can, you know, discuss that at length. And then we're also, <laughs> it's, it's such a bad pun, but we're, we're, we're now referring to it as we have to do a, a sod cast episode. It's going to be, it's going to be an episode about, about the sins of Sodom. And we're, and I, I am not going to use the word homosexuality because that's one of the points that we're going to make in this podcast is that there actually is no such thing as, as homosexuality. And that's all, that's all false. And so episodes one and 101 and 102 will be with Mark and that's going to be the topic. So keep an eye out for that. And the final point that I sent Mark for the wrap up is that Anne talks about Matthew seventeen twenty. I cover this one, uh, Matthew seventeen twenty intention, um, pr uh, full fasting if you can, or f some sort of fast twice a week, and of course praying every day, obviously. 
Um, the, the fourfold intention, as always, is that Bergoglio be publicly recognized and removed as anti-Pope and the whole thing be nullified. That Pope Benedict Ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living Pope since April of 2005. That Bergoglio repent, revert to Catholicism, die in a state of grace in the fullness of time, and someday achieve the beatific vision. And that Pope Benedict Ratzinger um, repent of whatever he might need to repent of, die in the state of grace in the fullness of time and someday achieve the beatific vision. Nothing less than that will do. Go big or go home. We're, we've been praying this intention now for two and a half years and persistence. You just have to keep praying. Patience, fruit of the fourth sorrowful mystery of the rosary, our Lord's caring of the cross, the fruit of that mystery is patience. Don't be like everyone out in Modernia and say, I need to see results right now, right now, right now. The divine providence will unfold as he sees fit, when he sees fit, through whom, using whom he sees fit to use. We have to keep being active, but impatience there's there's just no room for that it's it's patience and persistence our lord specifically says it's there's there's you know gospel stories about this keep praying keep praying be persistent be persistent and that's what we're doing not we're not going to stop and we have hope which is the fruit of the second glorious mystery the ascension of our lord into heaven fruit of the mystery hope don't lose hope we have no idea what the divine providence has in store for us and how this is all going to unfold. Can you, could you have ever predicted any of this stuff that's happened over the last six and a half, seven years? No way, no way could you predict any of this. Why do you think that you need to be able to predict what's going to happen in the future? For all my people who might have been with me back in the cattle marketing days. This is one of my huge points in my cattle marketing career. Stop trying to forecast. You're just self you are totally self-sabotaging if you're trying to forecast, whether it be cattle markets or corn markets or trying to forecast what events are going to unfold within the context of the church. Quit trying to forecast. Just keep praying, be patient, be persistent. I mean, Yogi Berra summed it up. It's really difficult to make predictions, especially about the future. Especially about the future. <laughs> yeah. Amen. <laughs> well, last uh, episode was clear back in, in uh, Advent, and we went in and out of that episode with a, a selection from the musical duo Duh, I think I never did clarify how to pronounce that, but I did. I'm get, pretty sure it's the French, the French word. Well, duh. that's why I yeah. said it. That's why I said it th that way this time. But I did get clarification, or did get uh, a comment from the soprano that uh, they saw a, a significant uptick in CD sales. So definitely recommend Yay! that. And let's go out with a Christmas uh, selection from that album, shall we, Anne? We should because it's still Christmas Absolutely. all the way until the Feast of the Presentation. What What is it? Are you going to surprise us or are you going to tell us what it is? You know, if I had done a little bit more homework, I'd have the name off the top of my head. I have, it's like track nine. I just forgot what, what, what name it was. So. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you track nine. <laughs> until next time, I am Super Nerd. And I'm Ann. Thanks, guys. God bless.
Yeah, 